Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Danae Glass. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? Today's reading is from 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 21. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family, from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then the Lord said, or Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Lord, we pray to you this morning, and we ask that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart would be pleasing, holy, and acceptable to you. Lord, you are our rock. You are our redeemer. We praise you, Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This story that you just heard is probably one of the most 
memorable, popular stories in all of the Bible. I know because I have uh, four little boys. Three of them are old enough to talk and tell me this story. They've heard it. There's not too many stories about little boys in the Bible. Uh, Joseph and the coat of many colors, they could tell you all about that. David and Goliath, they could tell you all about that. And then this story is probably, in our little household, one of the most popular stories. And it's about a little boy who says, and this is a spoiler alert for this sermon, but it's about a little boy who will say and grow up saying, here I am, and speak, your, the servant, your servant is listening. This is a story that is just wonderful, and I want to jump right in to the first point, the four points of this sermon. We're going to jump right in, and it says this, to be dedicated to the Lord. Be dedicated to the Lord. Is that you? Is that your life? Uh, have you been dedicated to the Lord? I'm going to come back to this question at the end of this sermon point, but let's review. So here's, here we are in a story about uh, Samuel. It starts off with Samuel's mom, whose name is <coughs> Hannah, and she is praying and praying for a child, and she vows, if the Lord gives her a child, that she vows this child to give him over to the Lord. And at the same time, in the same situation, last week Brett preached, and it's about Eli and his sons. Are they good guys or bad guys? Bad. They're really bad, like bad to the bone. These sons of Eli, they're doing horrible things. They're corrupted. And uh, a quote by Eugene Peterson, uh, a famous uh, theologian, famous pastor, two pastors. He died just a couple months ago. Someone who I really looked up to in life and continue to read his books. He says this in his first Samuel commentary. He says, the barrenness of the spiritual life at Shiloh, that's the place where Eli and his sons are, are going on. The sons are carrying out evilness. The barrenness of the spiritual life at Shiloh parallels the barrenness of Hannah, that's uh, Samuel's mom, Hannah's womb in chapter 1. And Samuel is God's response to both. Interesting, a very interesting quote about what's going on here in this story. Hannah is barren. She prays and prays and prays for a child. She's crying and, and weeping before the Lord and vows that, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him over to you, a, a vow to the Lord. You can read about this kind of vow. It's called a Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter 6. And it's a vow to the Lord where someone uh, doesn't cut their hair uh, doesn't drink any alcohol or anything from the vine, doesn't do anything to, to become unclean, like touch dead bodies or things like that. There's another famous story of a mom in a Bible that dedicates their child to the Lord, and he uh, grows his hair out long, and that becomes a source of power and the representation of the Holy Spirit. That little boy's name, he grows up, his name is... Samson. And so Samuel is very similar. He's, he's devoted to the Lord and he never has a haircut. We have a little boy. We have four little boys. One of them, not because of a Nazarite vow, but because my wife likes his long, curly, little blonde hair, has never had a haircut in his whole life. He's almost four years old. So he is like a little Nazarite. I'll talk about him in a second. But um, when um, uh, Hannah weans Samuel, uh, in our day and age, it's a much younger age. We have formula and multivitamins and bottles and things. But in the ancient world, is a much later age. Probably, I looked at commentaries, maybe somewhere around the age of four, maybe a little later even. Hannah's mom brings 
little Samuel to the temple, to church, and drops him off. Now, don't get any ideas. That's, don't bring your kids here. But think about that. In all seriousness, a mom dropping off a little child to say goodbye. And then it says in the story that only once a year she would come and spend extended time with him and and be with him and drop off clothes. It says that she made for him a little linen ephod. And you can look in Exodus chapter 28 about what a little linen ephod looks like. And I uh, went to the trouble of purchasing a little tiny uh, ephod on online for like 20 bucks, so he spent a lot of money on this, and uh, put Max in it the other day, and I was going to have him come forward and show him off, but then I remembered some words uh, from seminary when I had a class on speaking, and just in, in passing, the, the guy that taught the course was like, never use kids or animals in an illustration, you have no idea what they will do. So instead, I took a picture, we'll put Max's picture of... A little ephod, something, I mean, you could, in the Bible, it says what the robe looks like, what the ephod, what the breastplate, what the turban, what the robe all looks like. There's another picture of of Theo, like, looking on at little Max. It's like, oh, I wish I was wearing that right now. But doesn't this, like, think about it for just a second. Doesn't this, like, bring it into, like, this is a real story here. A mom dropped off her child and dedicates him to the Lord, and he becomes this great prophet. Look at what 1 Samuel 2.21 says. It's, it's while the story of Eli and his sons are just messing up and being corruptible and corrupted. Samuel, it says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. He is dedicated to the Lord. And if you're hearing anything right now, think about your own life. If if a little boy can be dedicated to the Lord, then certainly you and I can be dedicated and we could dedicate every part of our lives to the Lord. The question this morning, this is point one, and the question one, I have four points and four questions this morning. The first question is, are there parts of your life you want to hand over to God? Are there parts of your life you want to hand over to God? And what I mean by that is to dedicate them to the Lord. Maybe there's parts of your life that are not dedicated that you know just right now you need to and you want to give that over to the Lord to get dedicate to Him. Think about this. Some of you in here um, this Christianese that we use, uh, just Christians, it's, it's out of the Bible, but we talk about being saved. We talk about being born again. And if there's anyone in, in here that would say, you know, I don't know that I'm dedicated to the Lord any part of my life. I don't know for sure that I've been dedicated. Maybe uh, you, you've never been baptized. Maybe you have, though. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have, though. But there's something inside of you, even, even as I'm saying these words, like, I need to dedicate or rededicate my life to the Lord. Lord, don't let today pass. We always have people at the end of every service to pray for anyone for any reason, and this would be a great reason to come forward and say, you know, I want to be sure. I want to really dedicate my life, or for for many of you, it might just be, I want to dedicate, uh, I have dedicated my life, but I want a part of my life to be dedicated. Point number two, let's jump right in. Listen and test God's voice. Listen and test God's voice. This is really what this passage is about, listening to God. And then I'm going to talk about testing, not all the things we hear are from the Lord. And 1 Samuel 3, 7 starts off with this and just says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
He has to choose. He has to say to the Lord, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He doesn't yet know the Lord, but he will. Christians often talk about hearing God, and I think non-Christians just kind of like, like, are you See, you listen, you hear God's voice, kind of look at us sideways. Like, are you talking about God talking to you? And I think even amongst Christians, we often look at each other like, are you serious? Like, God just told you something? Are you serious? And to those things, I want to say, as crazy as that may sound, yes, God has spoken. He is speaking, and he will speak. God is speaking, moving, guiding, leading, comforting. He is active. He is imminent in his creation. Here's another quote by Eugene Peterson, the guy I already mentioned, a pastor, two pastors. He wrote a commentary on 1 Samuel. He says this. He says, the fundamental, the fundamental conviction of our faith is not so much that God is Listen to it. Look at it. Do you see what it says? As that God speaks. Wow. Like I think there's people in this world that just believe generally in a a God. But what is fundamental, what is core to us at New Life Manitou and what we really see in the Bible is that God speaks. The Bible begins with, in the beginning, God said, let God there be light. He begins by speaking. The Gospels begin with, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So this incarnate Word of God living amongst us as one of us, speaking, living, showing, being the way. Their Bible is chock full. Open to any page, you will find something about God speaking. Not generally. It's, it's beautiful when God speaks generally, like in a sunset, and we can look at, oh, the creation and we just feel like, oh, isn't God beautiful? Isn't creation wonderful? Yes, and he speaks to specific people at specific times, and he has, and he is, and he will. Look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Noah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Job, Hosea. They're specific people that God specifically speaks to, not in a general way, but his words are spoken. And he speaks like this. In the Bible, we could look throughout and see, oh, here's how he speaks. You want to know how the Lord speaks? Well, here's just a few. He speaks in dreams, visions, visitations, in an audible voice, in an inaudible voice, in leading and in guiding. I think about the prophet Isaiah sees the Lord and the train of his robe fills the temple with glory. And it's like, wow, this wonderful thing. And then Isaiah says this, like, here's also how the Lord spoke to Isaiah. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, he says in Isaiah 30, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Some of you are familiar with the story of Ezekiel. Sits down to listen to the Lord. There's these storms and these booms and these loud things happening. And then it is in the quiet, in the stillness that the Lord speaks to the prophet Ezekiel. John 1, uh, 1 John chapter 4, says that we need to test. Some of you are right now thinking, yeah, the Lord speaks to me like that sometimes. I think I, in life, I uh, get a sense, like Isaiah said, of, of a voice Uh, our ears hearing something saying, this is the way, walk in it. I know that's how, if I say the Lord speaks, that's usually how it works for me, but everyone's different. And we need to test these things. We need to listen to the Lord and then test that those things are from the Lord. 1 John uh, 4 says, test, test, 
test, test the spirits, test the people. Not everything you hear or people say when people sometimes say, I've heard from the Lord, listen to this. Well, it needs to be tested. I have a lesson. I, I used to teach the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life North. And I have a long, I've, I've taught uh, lessons and whole series on testing the word of the Lord. And I'm going to give you like a six-minute version of that right now. And it requires you to put on a nerd hat. And, uh, and I don't see anyone doing that, but you're going to need to do that. Put on your nerd hat for just a minute. And I'm going to give you some words here. And then we're going to talk about these words being, uh, it's the Wesleyan quadrilateral big words. Wesleyan, coming from John Wesley, who lived in the 1700s, uh, radically formed Christianity, the revivalist, and said, God is speaking today, and we can know him, and and lifted people up out of kind of a, a straight kind of religious thing and into a relationship with the Lord. He came up with this uh, way of testing and thinking about how do we test revelation from the Lord? So it's called a quadrilateral because it has four parts. And here is what he would say, is what it would be said about him. Here's a quote, and then I'll give you a visual of what this looks like to explain it. Um, hopefully, do you still have your nerd hat on? This is, this is important. Uh, Wesley believed that um, the living core of the Christian faith, like how does God speak to us? How do we know it, it can be tested in these ways, was revealed in Scripture. That's number one. There's four parts. Revealed in Scripture, illuminated by tradition and community around us. It's vivified. You know what that means? Made alive, made alive in personal experience. And number four here is confirmed by reason. Scripture, tradition, personal experience, and confirmed ultimately by reason. But it's ultimately through the first one, revealed in Scripture. Uh, I asked Dan to put up a, a slide of what this could look like, kind of a visual illustration. And here we have God's voice in the center. How do we know? If we think we have heard God's voice, how do we know? Well, ultimately at the top is the Bible. We need to test it through what the Bible says. Our own personal experiences can tell us uh, tradition, community, look around. This is the community that we're talking about. We can ask each other and look in church history for, is this the Lord's voice? Is this uh, alongside with what God has spoken and, and what he is speaking? And finally, logic, uh, reason, deduction. We need to think through, does this make sense today in this world? This is the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I could teach a series on this. I, I've taught it in, uh, for, for college students. I think uh, that time, the young adult life is, is when we're listening to God and asking the questions, where is God leaving, leading me? Well, look at this. And does it, does, where God is leading you line up with these four things. So as an example, I'll give you two examples. First, the one from Samuel. Samuel has on the far right here, a personal experience. He hears the voice of the Lord calling to him, and he immediately runs over to the left to his community, to the people around him, to someone who he looks up to. He says, Eli, you called me. Here I am. And Eli is like, get back in bed, uh, basically. And he comes again and again, get back in bed, get back in bed. And then Eli wakes up to, wait, this is the Lord. And even tells Samuel, next time you hear this, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So that seems to line up. He has a personal experience. He then uh, goes to his community and Eli says, yes, this is the Lord. Uh, reasonably, uh, the... the um, 
prophecy that is given to him is the same thing that just came in chapter 2 of an anonymous prophet that says the house of Eli has become corrupt and the Lord is not happy with that. So it, can, it, it matches up with what's already been spoken and it matches up with the whole context of Scripture. The prophecy given to uh, little Samuel, to Eli, is a prophecy of one that the Lord is going to demolish a corrupt house and he's going to build a new foundation uh, upon which the works of the Lord uh, need to happen. And so this, the, the, the example kind of fits. Like all four things are, are being held in, like it's like if you're rock climbing and you get to a top of a route. Any rock climbers in here? couple hands. You get to a top of route and you see four bolts. That would be beautiful. It's like, yes, I will hang my life, my safety on these four bolts and, and make an anchor. If you get up to a top of a run and you see a bolt, that's not a good thing. That's not safe climbing practices to just hang your life and then belay people off of one bolt. But instead you want four or three all working together. Think about another example. I used to give this example in the young adults I worked with. It's, a, it's an example from dating and everyone would kind of get red in the face and, you know, like, oh gosh, is he talking about me? Um, no, I'm not. This is just a general example. Let's say there's a guy and he is a Christian guy. He's following the Lord, but he, for whatever reason, kind of a silly decision one night, he goes out to the clubs and the bars, and he's having a good time, and he meets a girl, and they hit it off. And they're like, wow, this guy thinks this is awesome. His hormones are raging. Uh, he gets the girl's contact info, and later that night, he goes to bed, and he has a dream about the girl. And in the dream, he marries the girl. And he wakes up in the morning th- saying, this is the Lord. <laughs> you, you, you giggle. But every, when I would teach this in the college ministry, everyone would be like, yeah, so, so what's the, what, I mean. <laughs> so this young man in this example has a personal experience. He has a dream. Is it from the Lord? He needs to test this. So he goes to his community, the people around him. He goes to his parents who are, let's in the example, are strong Christian believers. And he says, mom, dad, guess what? And he doesn't say where he met this girl, but he met this girl. And he tells, and the parents are just like, ah, I don't know, son. I don't know if this is the Lord. And so he's like, ah, oh, my parents are stupid. I'm going to go to some of my friends. So he goes to his friends who are in a Bible study. They're strong Christian believers. And he rallies around these boys. And he asks them, he tells them, you know, about the girl, and he tells them where they met, and he goes on and on, and his friends are like, I don't know if this is the Lord. I just, I, I don't know. And maybe one of the guys is like, I think I know this girl. What'd you say your name was? Like, she's, she's not, no, man, I think, I think your dream is not from the Lord. And so he, like going to the bottom, thinks about it. The reason, the logic is like, well, you know, where were you when you met this girl? It's just not, it doesn't, you know, it, you probably just had a dream about the girl because you were just with the girl and you have to consider hormones in this situation. And ultimately, you, you have to look at the Bible. What's the Bible say about this unique situation? Well, I don't know, but it does say a lot about what a spouse should be like. And this girl uh, and her characteristics and, let's say, Proverbs 31, do not look anything like each other. And so you should, from this silly example that may be all too common, um, 
is like this, it should, all these points should hold together. We should not just hold on to one personal experience and say, this is the Lord. I don't care about anything else. I don't care what anyone has to say. And someone can become unteachable and self-righteous and judgmental about anyone that's against them and harsh and critical. And all of these things are usually a dead giveaway that someone has not heard from the Lord. The Lord works and his, his voice is often, comes with it, should come with it, the fruit of the Spirit. It should not come across as I'm right, everyone else is wrong, and judgmental and self-righteousness and criticalness. These things are what happens when people congregate on the internet. Like these things, this is not, the, the voice of the Lord should bring with it the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. I think about this. this. Here's the question for you. This is point two. Here's question number two. What has the Lord spoken to you that you need to dust off? If the Lord is speaking and we can return to the things the Lord has said, what is something that the Lord has spoken to you that in the past you were, you were fairly sure of it and it passes the test and it is something that you might need to dust off. I think about um, a word given to us and to our church. I think about Sarah, who's here, who's our worship leader. This word of Isaiah 41, you've heard me talk about it before. It says, when the poor and needy search for water and there's none. We were given this prophetic word early on in planting New Life Manitou. And it has just uh, like been again and again and again confirmed that this is like amongst us, like we are, are a people that share the living water with people because when there are poor and needy among us, the Lord comes in a, to a dry land and he brings his water and springs will come up and Jesus is ultimately the living water. And we've talked, if you've been around New Life Manager, we've talked about this again and again. And this just seems to be a word like in my mind, like this is something we continuously need to get and dust off and say, this is where the Lord has led us and where he is leading us. Point number three is this, to jump in to point number three. Uh, will you say, here I am? Samuel says this, will you say, here I am? Does no good to read about Samuel and not act like him. Samuel throughout his ministry, throughout First Samuel, and Samuel continuously says, here I am. In these situations, some of them very hard. He gets to hire a king and anoint him, and then he has to fire this king. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. And that is a very hard thing for him to do. He could have been killed for that. And yet Samuel says to the Lord, here I am. The secret to a life with God is to say, here I am. This is the whole Christian life before us just to say, here I am. Who will follow me? A voice says, here I am. Who will stay and do my work? Here I am. Who will go? Here I am. Who will start a conversation with someone who needs to hear the love of God? Here I am. Who will? You know, fill in the blank to the things you hear the Lord telling you to do. Our response should always be, here I am. I'm reading a book by, uh, it's not by, it's about a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who says this quote, it's, uh, he says, uh, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted 
by God. If you don't know anything about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'm, I'm reading a fascinating biography of his life. A Christian, a pastor who was a pastor during the rise of Nazism and Hitler, and he goes against everything Nazism is about. This Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he is put in jail and says, here I am, and continues on this path saying, here I am. Lord, use me even into his execution. He is ready to be interrupted by God, and he says, here I am. Eli is interrupted by God. The the word of the Lord comes to Samuel. It's a prophecy against him and his house, and it's a very strong warning. It's saying that judgment is coming, and I just wonder, whenever we see these things in the Bible, I think the Lord is just always asking us to repent. I think about the story of Jonah and the Lord speaking through Jonah to the city of Nineveh. You need to repent. The Lord is going to crush you and kill everyone here, and instead, the, the city, what do they do? They repent, and then does the Lord destroy them? No, he, he, he doesn't. And I always wonder, like, when, when we see the judgment of the Lord, I wonder if he's just looking for intimacy and for us to turn to him and repent, and Eli does not. I mean, think about someone close to you. Samuel is close to Eli. They call each other father and son. Think about this, this prophecy coming in intimacy and coming in trust, and Samuel warning Eli about the coming danger and the coming uh, judgment of the Lord. What if someone came to you in trust and in intimacy saying, hey, your, your life is heading towards shipwreck. What if they said to you, hey, I know you're, you're, you're playing around with this, but it looks like addiction to me. What if someone came to you and said, your marriage is on a slippery slope and it is steep and you, you need to listen and it's in trust and in love. What are the warning signs being given to you by the Lord right now? This is the third question of the third point. What are the warning signs that are being given to you by the Lord? And how can you say, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. The fourth point is this, the final jump, the final movement of this sermon, and then I will ask a a final question this morning. Uh, Point four is this, God can call at any time. Are you ready? He calls Samuel in the middle of the night before the the candle had gone out yet. So who knows what time it was, maybe uh, late night or very, very early morning. The Lord calls. Are you ready? Chapter 3, verse 1 says, The boy ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I think uh, about that um, time the Lord wasn't as uh, speaking. There wasn't as many visions. We don't know why exactly. Maybe it was the corruption in the house of Eli. Uh, we don't know for sure. But I think, uh, I think about today and I think about this church and the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that it's very rare for the Lord to speak. I think even today, Brett, just during worship, just came up and said, I feel like the Lord wants you to know something. He shared something with me. And it was like, the, the Lord is active. He's here. I don't think the Lord speaking is that rare today. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, maybe it kind of is rare for me, I am so uh, sorry. Like, there are darkness times. There are quiet times. There's certainly been times in my life that just seemed quieter than others, waiting for the Lord and not hearing from Him. I'm so sorry if that's where you're at this morning, thinking about, you know, here's people talking about hearing from the Lord, and you're always thinking, why, why do I always hear stories about, why doesn't that, why doesn't the Lord speak to me? Stay steady. 
Stay in the word, stay listening, stay prepared. This, these last 21 days, we've been in a, uh, a prayer. We had these books. You can still get them in the back. There's no dates on them. You can start a 21 days of prayer and, and, and go along at your own pace whenever you want. Um, but these last 21 days, I challenged you and stuck to that challenge of praying and being quiet before the Lord and trying to listen. And it has just revived in me like a readiness to, to listen. What is the Lord going to stay, say to me? And fending off distraction. I realize in prayer and in my devotion times how distracted I am. I'm sure this never happens to any of you. But I just, I mean, even this week, I got to go uh, to Praise Mountain and spend a night at this Christian retreat center, and um, I go there and just pray and fast, and uh, I'm, I'm sure this never happens to any of you, but, you know, you just get so distracted, like, what's this over here? What's that? You're following my thoughts, and, and, and just a normal prayer time is like, pray for someone, and I wonder how they're doing on Facebook, and, and that two-minute check turns into like 30 minutes, like, what am I doing? Oh, what am I doing right now? Like how distracted, how easy it is in our world to just so quickly in our minds, there's always something, Lord, help us, slow us down, let us be formed so that the Lord can speak to us. Let us have these quiet hearts so the Lord can speak to us. Here's a quote for you to, worth writing down. Samuel is formed before he ever has a platform. Samuel is formed before he ever has a platform. He is, spends his childhood being dedicated to the Lord, apart from his mom, apart from his family, dedicated to the Lord, growing up in the temple, and he, is, he doesn't succumb to this uh, temptation that the Eli's sons did, Hophni and Phinehas, to be corrupted and, and go down a wicked path. Instead, he is formed by the Lord, and then he gets this platform where he gets to speak, and it says about him that none of his words fell to the ground. He was a man who knew how to use his words because he had been in an intimate place. He had listened to the Lord. He had quieted himself. The last question, fourth question this morning is this. It's what Samuel says. And so will you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I want to invite you to stand this morning. I'm going to read um, this third, uh, fourth encounter that Samuel has with Eli, then Eli tells him to go listen to the Lord. I want you to read it as with me as a prayer. I'm going to read it over you and think about it as a metaphor for your own life. Think about it as a mystery of how we come before the Lord. It says this in chapter 3, verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down and if he calls, and he does. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there. The Lord came and stood there, calling as other times. And so, Lord, we stand and you're standing and you have called you are calling as you have called other times saying our name lord we're so sorry that we've become distracted we're so sorry that we have other things to do 
when you're standing before us in our lives, calling us. Or may we be like Sammy, who simply says, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. We say that today. We say that with our lives. We say that with our Christian walk. We say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.